Welcome back to Big Friendly Sports with John Hamm. The NBA season is here, finally, after months and months of speculation, wondering how this is going to work, what is this trade going to do, what about this free agent signing cap room, how are we going to use the cap room, why didn't they use the cap room, none of it matters. The season is finally here. We are so excited to talk about the Thunder on today's show. Before we get going, I want to thank our sponsors, MidFirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Firelight Casino, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And speaking of the best in Oklahoma, uh, you've probably heard of Down to Dunk. If you haven't, I don't know how that's possible. But today's guest, I have Jay Smith, who is part of Down to Dunk. And if you're a Thunder fan, this is nothing new to you, I'm sure. Uh, Down to Dunk is part of the Athletic Podcast Network and has been ongoing for about 10 years, if not more. Uh, Jay is part of the team, along with our friends Andrew Schlecht, Taylor Dickerson, Luke Stevens, Michaela Barra, Alex Spears, and you can find their show wherever you get your podcasts and also find them on YouTube. Jay, how is it going today, sir? Ham, hey, I am great. Uh, I'm dressed in my 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 fall slash Halloween outfit. We're uh, having a trunk or treat tonight here at my my church, and so we are good, man. Ready to talk some thunder because at the same time as as the weather begins to change, as the it's honestly it's like the perfect time for sports because you have football and being an OU fan, it's a perfect time to be a football fan. Then you've got baseballs moving into the World Series, which I'm not a baseball guy, but the Rangers being in the World Series is just fantastic. And tonight on Tuesday, the NBA season starts obviously with the Thunder kicking off on Wednesday. And so it's you don't have to be present to anybody in your life because you can constantly be watching something on television that's going to be entertaining in the sports world. And so it really, and then there's hockey. I don't watch hockey. I've never gotten into hockey, but some people do. So it's a, it's the best time of the year, man. It's awesome. That is also a sport that is starting from what I understand. Yes. Yeah, it, somebody it, said that. I don't know. <laughs> it is a, it is a cornucopia of content yeah. right now. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great times and the thunder season is here. And so, uh, you know, Jay, I wanted to bring you on because one of the topics that, you know, I'm talking about, Brett is doing a little bit of this as well, but you know, we're, we're talking to the fans a little bit and, you know, the thunder have been off the radar because they've been rebuilding. They've been a quote unquote black eye of the league and all of that fun stuff. Um, but now people are coming back. And they're they're noticing what the Thunder are doing. And so that level of notice from the outside world is getting a lot of people excited here locally. Expectations are creeping up a little bit here. So, Jay, are you, based on what you've seen from everything involved with Oklahoma City, Shea playing for Team Canada, Chet playing in the preseason, Jalen Williams being Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy uh, doing all of his work, are you able to keep your expectations in check for this season? Uh, no, absolutely not. And I think it's the the benefit of having me versus like an Andrew on this or really Taylor or Luke or anybody is I'm going to be the most blatant homer of all of us. And I've been projecting since I think Summer League finished that I think the this Oklahoma City team is, is going to get 50 wins this year, which I know is insane knowing how strong the West is and all of that uh, that goes into that. But I I just believe 
so deeply in the team that that Sam and his people have created. Um, the collection of talent that they have, the depth, the way they play. My my hype is uh, insane. Now I did just listen to another podcast and and they're trying to be a wet blanket over my excitement, but I was uh, refusing to buy into their nonsense because I think they're just you know bias against us like anybody that disagrees with my opinion on it uh no but i am man i john i am it it's and i think the slam if if, if your listeners are unfamiliar they the starting five was on the or the assumed starting five was on the cover of slam magazine just the other day it kind of was released and to see that and then people obviously making connections to the KD era and then and I forgot about this one apparently Victor Oladipo era was also on a slam magazine cover but you can tell that when they become more and more mainstream that the hype really is not something localized to the fan base here in Oklahoma City but is truly the national narrative is starting to really shift for this team and so but I'm all in I'm bought in 100% so I'm already planning my spot for the parade come uh, June. I think it's interesting, you know, because the Thunder are not the only team that have been rebuilding over the past few years. Um, They have just been maybe the most successful of them so far. And some of it is like New Orleans on paper has done a good job. It's just they have, you know, some players that have body parts made out of paper, unfortunately. And so there's been some of those issues with injuries. And you've got Detroit, which, you know, is, is trying a lot of things and seeing what sticks. And, you know, here you have the Thunder that have just sort of been steady and just been collecting talent. However, they've gone about collecting it. That's a discussion for another day. And some of that is overblown. Um, and we've just been sort of waiting. And to me, I'm curious how, how much you think this leans into it. How much does Chet change that calculus for you? Yeah. And, and just to go back and kind of talk about how important it was with the Paul Paul George trade is that Shay is the Shay was the reason that this is has been such a faster rebuild than Houston, than Detroit, all of those teams. Like the fact that they got a guy that was already established and even even as we didn't know he would be this great. I don't think anybody really knew he'd be all pro level guy. I thought people thought he was going to be good, maybe an all star or two, but to be this potential generational guy. That was the thing that sped this whole entire process up. Chet, in my opinion, feels like the, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but just he, he's the final piece in, in my mind of what makes this, this team work like it does. And if you watch last year, which you know most of us watched a majority of the games, if not all of them, is the clearest deficiency in, in the team from last year was rim protection, a big that can can and and even though Chet's going to get bodied up a lot, he still has the ability to be intelligent enough to still make a difference at the rim. But he also can stretch. Like we talked about, how much better this team looked when Muscala was on the floor. Well, Chet is Muscala times ten in his <laughs> potential. And and to watch the preseason in the summer league, like I know it's very easy for us to be hesitant to buy into the hype around Chet because it has he's never played a single real NBA game until tomorrow night or Wednesday night. Uh, but in theory, in what we've seen so far, he really does feel like that perfect kind of missing piece to make this team what it is. And and it's it's the challenge, and you know this, Ham, as much as anybody, but it's the challenge of rebuilding is, especially with the, the lottery odds shifted the way they were, is, is you need luck. Like the Thunder got the two pick. Like when they got the number two pick, 
that was it changed everything for this franchise because I think the team would still be decent and going in the right direction with Jabari, but I think the hype would not be quite as as high um, if they would have landed at three, four, or even had some of the bad luck that the Pistons did this last year when they moved, I think, like six and got Asar Thompson. So I, I think that Chet really is the guy that that kind of the glue that binds this team together. And and uh, man, everything everything they're saying, everything they're talking about, everything the way they're trying to prepare us for the season it really speaks to them thinking there's also something special brewing as well so yeah huge deal chet is either going to be the first or second best player on the team or at worst he's going to be the rug that ties the room together and i think for right now it's sort of what you're talking about everything that you know watching 82 games last season how many podcasts did you and i combine do where we got behind the mic and said well this is going to be different with chet in the lineup, just man, just imagine if Chet was there on this play. Just imagine if you had Chet back here doing that. Well, now we don't have to imagine anymore, and we could see this coming all last season. Yeah, and there was I couldn't tell you which one of it. We play Utah obviously a lot during the season because we're in the same division. But there was a game against Utah, and Utah just is playing that like giant lineup: Walker Kessler and Kelly Olynyk, and Cameron Ruhels is on the court, and and there they, Utah won the. Yeah, Markinen too, who's also a seven footer, and they end up winning the game because towards the end of the game, there were a few offensive rebounds that they got that created second or third chance opportunities. And I was just thinking, not that Chet—I don't think Chet's elite skill is going to be rebounding, but definitely bothering people at the rim. And he's also going to be a good rebounder. Like he's got the the height, he's got the length, he's got all of that to be a part of it. But I, that game is that's just one game that I know for sure his presence would have made a direct impact on the win. Uh, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was a weekly bit almost like for the, for the whole year, obviously Taylor from the podcast made a projection that he was going to come back with 20 games left in the season. Uh, so we were all waiting, but, but Chet, he really, once you saw him, he's the guy that we thought probably had the highest likelihood of being generational. And, and I think there's one of the questions we're going to talk about here in a minute is, how special it could be that the number two pick might not be the second most important or the second best guy on this team. Um, and that might be J dub, I think, but, but the fact that he could be, he can, he can take his time developing this year. He can slowly integrate into the offense. Although from what I've already seen in preseason, it looks like there's not going to be really a learning curve. Um, but yeah, Chet, he really does seem to fix this roster in the way that it's going to be. And I, and this is ham. I've asked this question on the podcast is that if you had a dream, Hey, this is the deficiency in this team's roster. And this is what we need to add. Like I, I get it. Maybe a power forward that could stretch a little bit or, you know, is, is Dort the guy. And I love Dort. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bag on his thing, but is there a shooting guard that can maybe provide more of a three point consistency and, you know, just plays a role versus needing the ball as much. Like there are some questions, but, I don't see a deficiency in the way this roster is being constructed at this point that I could really identify saying we need this big piece. Yeah. And that's again, stuff that we really don't know yet. A lot of it, we we have some ideas. We've written a little bit about this on sellout crowd that we have an idea how this is going to work. Um, but we still need to see, and, and the Thunder front office needs to see how this is all going to work first. So they may, you know, get 50 games in the season and go, Oh, okay, well, we've got to move one piece to fill another area. Um, but yeah, to, to think that, you know, that determination has been made already. Uh, I think they very much would just love to go into the season and say, Hey, maybe what we have right now 
is going to work and no further alterations needed. Yeah. Which then you have to ask the question like, all right, with the most draft capital ever accumulated in the history of the NBA is like, what do you, you know, how do you combine, but you really could, you could, you could invest those on behalf of like the perfect role players and the pieces that fit in. If these guys can materialize the way they, they, that it feels like they're, they're trending at least. Um, but obviously that's getting way ahead of where we are because that's, I think when Sam was talking earlier in the off season, like, Hey, burn your expectations. And I think the whole point of that is to say, like, we need to see this team in meaningful minutes together and then we'll figure out who we are or who we aren't. And then we can address that based on that. But I don't know there's for an Oklahoma city thunder fan. Like this is, if you're on the fence or you got lost in the last three years of the rebuild, and you're like, I don't know, are they still going to try to lose this year? Like, are we, you're not, this is time to jump in, like get into it now because it's going to be the next five to 10 years are going to be maybe the most fun this franchise has ever had, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, they're trending in that direction. And uh, by the way, fair point about burning assumptions, uh, you know, OU football is seven and zero right now and USC is not. So not a bad idea to go burning assumptions. Well, I, I know that y'all have other people in the sellout crowd that that are responsible for this, but I've never in my life hate watched a football game as much as I did the last two weeks against Notre Dame and Utah. It's like I didn't realize that this was still inside of me. It's like yeah. I I was I I'm happy with my new with my new coach and the new team, and I love the way they're playing. But man, I still really dislike USC, which I already did anyway. But then just adding Lincoln, and I feel bad. I love Caleb Williams. Actually, I don't have anything against him, but yeah, it really felt great to watch them just get run over against. I mean, wasn't he like a backup safety or something? I can't yeah. remember, like a walk on or something. Anyway, yeah. it was that's it, for it our was... next podcast. Exactly. It was, it was fun football nonetheless. <laughs> but, was, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a fair point about putting those assumptions in check and just letting things play out. Um, Absolutely. So is there anything, you know, as, as much basketball as you and I have watched, you know, the people out there that, again, like you say, maybe they've just sort of, you know, taken up another hobby over the past couple of years. They're kind of interested in coming back in. What have you noticed from this team that if you were telling someone like, Hey, this is something this is something they do. This is what's fun. This is what you need to come back for. Yeah, I think the this is a testament to the way Sam has gone about constructing this roster so far, but I also think it's a testament to Mark Degnault's his desire and way of coaching. And I think if I was going to tell somebody that hasn't been watching for the past few years, is you could see moments where the basketball is just high quality. Uh it's not it's not iso ball unless it really needs to and shake and do that, which is what's beautiful about it. But it really is a it in my mind, a beautiful brand of basketball. Uh, a lot of sharing. Everybody on the floor has the ability to grab a rebound and go and move the ball and and I think everybody can score at some level. I think obviously there's some challenges from different areas, but but they just are going to have the ability to and I've said this a few times on the podcast is I think in the first iteration of the thunder, the KD Russ, the move to get perk was in response to the NBA, the champions, right? The Lakers had Bynum and they had Pau Gasol. Like you had to be big to compete on those levels. I do think that the way the thunder are constructing this roster and, and creating this team to move forward. I think that Sam is really attempting Sam and Mark both are trying to be the team that forces others to shift their roster construction 
to match them instead of being the ones that are reactive is they're the ones who are setting the tone and standard for the NBA and kind of like the Warriors did where it's like, all right, well, if you're going to compete with them, here's the three things you have to do to be able to switch well or to be able to, you know, play against these multiple lineups that they put out there. I think the Thunder are trying to set the tone for how other teams are going to have to adjust to them versus being the one that's going to adjust to other teams. And uh, I I don't know, like I said earlier, this is going to be a special time for Thunder fans. And I had a buddy who's got season tickets and he's been season ticket holder for the last three seasons. And he's just like, dude, I can't even sell my tickets. Like it's been a challenge to do all of that. I just, I kept telling him last year, I said, hold on just one more year. (laughs) and 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 not to i always will take a jab as often as i can but i think that the fact that to watch this team is so challenging on local television it does a total disservice to this team and its future and so i really hope they can sort that out to where if you could access it you know without having to go through your you know what i do my mom's account to get to bally like if i could do something else that would be the ideal way to do it or if we can get that out there for fans to be able to access it more because i think they're really missing out on uh really activating this fan base to be really excited about this team again so yeah not that that they're not but it doesn't it doesn't feel as much yeah, that, that's another thing, you know, Jenny and I wrote a little bit about some of the challenges on trying to watch, you know, Thunder games. That's that's something else that I think across the league they're trying to figure out uh, while they're stuck in this, you know, a regional sports network quagmire at the moment. And some teams have said we're better off going over the air. And, you know, yeah, we're not going to get as much money as we you know had been getting, but we're going to have a wider reach and maybe we can recoup that in other ways. It's going to be interesting to see because, um, yeah, th- this is a team that, uh, th- that needs eyeballs. It is going to draw eyeballs. And people that have league pass outside of Oklahoma City are going to be watching. And if people in Oklahoma City, you know, if that's a challenge, uh, it-, it seems like it's backwards when it's set yep, up. Like absolutely. Yeah. So, but, you know, enough ranting about that. Um, let's, uh, let- let's fire through a few things here, Jay. So you touched you touched upon it earlier. Uh, SGA's co-star. There's a lot of options. So ultimately, you know, whether we're talking about this season or we're looking at it two, three years from now, who's going to be that co-star next to Shea? Yeah, it feels this is a cop out, and so I'll start there and then give you the answer to the actual question is I think we're stuck in a Batman and Robin model of evaluating how the roster can can move forward. And so we're always looking for the second guy, but isn't it way better to have a total of four guys, three of which that we know probably at any given night could take that. And I'm getting way into superhero in my mind where I'm like, wouldn't it be better to have the Avengers versus just Batman and Robin? But uh, <laughs> I think that I, I'm I'm incredibly... I'm incredibly high on J-Dub. But at the same time, like knowing that when you elevate somebody like J-Dub is like this giddy fall to the wayside. Well, no, he was the second leading scorer last year. And and all signs are pointing to having an even better and more efficient season this year. And so it's like when you elevate one, you feel like you have to detract the other two. And that's what's fun about the way this team is, is. I think they're four deep of guys that can run the team at any point without the other one, like just the depth is different. And I'm not even mentioning, and part of the reason I'm so high on this team is uh, the addition of Vasa. I I just think Michich is going to be one of those guys that can help steady things. So 
you know, if they all are off the floor at some point that he's the one that can come in and continue to run the offense to an effective uh, point. And so, but yeah, I think in the long term, if I were going to have to bet, you know, my house, my life, my car, my breakfast on one of these, on one of these three guys being kind of the, the second in command there, I think that J-Dub would be the one I put most of my, uh, I put my house on or my life on. That sounds like a podcast uh, bit that you could yeah, do. Right. You, might, you, you might run with that and see <laughs> yeah. where it goes. Yeah, I will. <laughs> so uh, Todd Lizenby and I, we do this thing with like random 90s NBA players. I'm not going to take you back that far, Jay. I am going to ask you, though, give me a random Thunder player from the past and then tell me why this Thunder player comes to mind when you start thinking about Thunder players of old. I mean, the, the cop out is Nick, obviously. So let me take that one out of there and see who comes to mind first. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> you know, I, I have been following this team forever. I mean, since they moved here, obviously. And I've been an NBA fan for a long, long time. Like I, I started following Shaq whenever he was at LSU and it kind of pulled me into the NBA at the same time. And, and so since about 92, I've been watching the NBA. But as far as Thunder guys from the past, um, I always think about the peripheral guys. Like, do you remember that Derek Fisher was a substantial member of this team for a while? Big time. And Karan Butler and Randy Foy. And it's all of those guys that we were so hopeful that they could pick up in the buyout market, that this is going to be the guy that's going to make the difference. And rarely, if ever, did they pan out and make a huge difference on the team. I think the one that's in, you know, the one that got away is will forever be Alex Abrinas to me. Um, just the guy who, when he had it, the few games he had it, the few moments he had it, you were just like, this is the guy that they've needed forever and ever. And, but yeah. he just, for whatever reason, stuff, you know, off the court, on the court, playing with the, you know, the challenge of playing with Russell Westbrook and the pressure that that built on him, like whatever it might have been. Uh, that was a real hard one to watch slip away and not really materialize the way that it could. And then obviously Steve-O and even though Ennis Cantor's slightly different these days, he's still somebody, those are definitely years I look upon fondly, but then you can go all the way back to the, you know, Joe Smith and Desmond Mason and Chris Wilcox, Kyle Weaver. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I never, I'll tell you though, I never liked Earl Watson. That was my least favorite Thunder player of all time. I don't know why. I just, I don't know why. I think I had this thing where it was like he was playing over Russ. And so I was like, well, sc screw this guy. Russ is the guy. And I'm like, had held it against him from that moment on. I don't know what's wrong uh, with me, but that's great. His, his Phoenix Suns players didn't like him either when he was coaching. Apparently. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're I not alone. He that got regard. that opportunity, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So last one before we get out of here. So uh, prediction time. Uh, you know, you're, we're holding you to the fire here. Give me your prediction. Are they going to be firmly in the playoffs? Are they going to be in the play-in? Are they going to be in the lottery? Uh, what say you, Jay? Yeah, I think I think a realistic – the 51 is kind of just for fun. Like, I know it'll be really hard to do that. But I don't think it's – I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that they're in the top six in the West. And I would love – my obscene confidence would say that they're going to get home court advantage in the first round. Uh, but probably the reality is that top six. Um, but I don't, I mean, John, I just don't, I, 
I think the other thing about the burn the assumptions part of it is it's like on the other direction, instead of us being overhyped, like what if we're underselling what this team could be? Like sure. why why could why couldn't they be a team that takes a leap? I think everybody's just assuming because of their youth that they're not going to get there. But Shea's been in the league for a long time. Giddy, even though he's you know one of the youngest players on the team, he's still what is his third season. Chet's not your normal rookie. Then you add a rookie like Michich, who's 29 years old you've got some guys like isaiah joe knows what he's like why couldn't this be a team that makes the leap where everybody's like oh they're actually because the grizzlies two or three years ago they were for all intents and purposes around the same age that the thunder were and they made a similar leap like what why why couldn't this thunder team be that team um and so but i think the the safe bet would be i think top six makes sense i think crossing over into the I don't know, 44 and 38 or whatever the difference is to make 82. Is that close? Yeah. Uh, I think that adds something up. like that. Yeah. It's like 44 minus. Uh, <laughs> I think that's somewhere I could see them being at the end of the season, just to, just to kind of make me feel a little more, I don't know, humble about what I think this team can be, but I don't know. Sky's the limit. Truthfully. Yeah. Like I really do believe that, that the sky's the limit for this team. And, uh, and I think that if you put some truth serum, in some of the team leadership coaches and front office, I think that they're trying to temper their own expectations uh, to not, I don't know, to not feel disappointed if it doesn't materialize that way immediately, or they're just doing it so that they are like, Hey, the right thing to do is for us not to be freaking out all the time about how good this team could be right now. Um, But why not, man? Let's let it rip. This is partly why I've been like kind of focused on expectations lately. And, you know, what are the fans feeling? And the team is always going to try to tamp down expectations, understandably. Um, But, you know, like you say, there's some there's some not unreasonable uh, things that you can put out there to say, here's why they could achieve some of the things that we're thinking about. But maybe we're a little afraid to say. And so um, we got a lot more coming out about that soon. Well, I was about to say, and I think that's why, like, I might have unintentionally or intentionally been the perfect guest because I'm going to give you the unreasonable fan take every single time. And (laughs) I grew up around, I grew up in an OU household, but my dad and my brothers were like the pessimists where if OU, like if the other team scored first, it was like, turn the television off. They're the worst team in the league. And then I have to like mm-hmm. bring it back. Hey, they're up by 35 points now. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm like, I've always been the eternal optimist. And so I'm the perfect guy. Like if you want unreasonable optimism, I am your Huckleberry. And uh, so <laughs> that's kind of my bit now, apparently in the podcast yeah. world is like, Hey, who's going to be the one that no matter how bad they are, always thinks they're going to be better. And that's yeah. going to be me. Cause I'm like, Oh, he's going to national champion, whatever. Every year they're going to be the national champions. But <laughs> So far, it's only happened once in the last 25 years of me watching it. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So it's exciting times. Thanks to Jay for joining me on today's show. Uh, appreciate everyone. If you're if you're just hearing about this for the first time, watching for the first time, uh, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Uh, check us, you know, check us out on your favorite podcast app. If you like what you hear, please leave a review. Uh, that all goes a long way. Leave some comments uh, in, in the YouTube uh, chat below and, and I'll get back to you on a future episode. So uh, thanks for your time. Thanks to Jay for his time. Happy NBA season, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Oh,